probably the last PlayStation special edition for the generation. And we get days of playback. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Sawbridge is bringing you guys lucky episode 164. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So we normally give all of our festivities and such at the end of the episode, so stick around so you can see where, we, uh, where we're at and what times you can watch us at throughout the week. But we're going to get this episode started off quite right, and that's what we've been playing this week. And I'm going to turn the tables on Brett. Normally he asks me, Brett, what have you been playing this week? I've had a revival. It's actually been pretty pretty mild, I mean, in terms of overall gameplay time. But considering that I was about a almost a month of playing very little to absolutely nothing, coming back, I played, uh, I, I followed my plan of attack I outlined okay. last week. So I started with Little Nightmares. Okay. Beat through that. Um, played Gris the next day. Gone through it or the, after I beat Little Nightmares. Played Gris until I beat it. Uh, and then last night I started and got through the very first chapter of The Evil Within. Okay. How are you liking Evil Within now? Still kind of iffy on it? It still has the slow start. That's yeah. kind of it. And it's weird. I don't really love the idea. It feels so dated to me. And I remember that even when I played the first one. And I hope it's not in the second. The idea of broken up chapters. Oh, yeah. Um, and it feels more so dated to me because of the genre. Like, it, I wasn't as bothered, though it still did catch my attention that, like, Devil May Cry 5 still had chapters. Yeah. But it felt more right in Devil May Cry 5 than it does in The Evil Within. I can agree to that. Because, like, the De- Devil May Cry 5, even though I still think I'd prefer it to be at the end, it does make sense to me that on a chapter-by-chapter chapter basis, you're kind of being graded for, like, your style points and stuff like that. Well, every, every Devil May Cry game had that. Exactly. So, but so this it one, felt in place. The way that they're kind of doing it is similar to that. They're doing it to where at the end of every chapter you can see what your time was for the chapter. So I guess for people, and I'm not one of them, for people who like to speedrun horror games... That's an interesting take, maybe, because you get to see it between every chapter. But I like the much more organic and natural and continuous feel of something like Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3. I I mean, really, I guess Resident Evil is kind of the go-to example. But, I mean, you could even break it into other games that choose to exist in 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 that horror realm, despite maybe a little different setup. Like... um, What's the game by Red Barrels? How am I forgetting it? Outlast. Uh, Outlast does not have a chapter breakdown, and I'm glad it doesn't. I don't know why. It just feels odd. Now, I think part of the reason this game does is because it tries to take the chapters whenever big events happen that will move you from location to location. So the design element in this game is to have the chapters be like segments of areas that you're in. So you start in the mental hospital at the beginning of the game, then you go to the next part of the game, and it's a different area, and then you keep going. And maybe you wake your way back around to certain areas, but they're... The chapters are broken off as to where you're going to be. Does, I don't know. I, I don't care for that near as much as like the smaller group of locales, but that you in like you intuitively transition between with no loads or anything. You know? Yeah. Um, does the amounts of chapters, the quantity of chapters, does that is that considered a spoiler for you? No, not really. Okay. So Resident or Resident Evil, Evil Within Two is broken up into seventeen chapters. Ah, but it's still chapters. It also has two semi-open world environments. Okay, but I should even say this: I have no problem with chapters in games. 
but I want the chapters to be fluid, like what Uncharted does. Yeah, not just like an, suddenly you like just, a book where it ends and then it begins again. Yes, that's that's what I was telling you about. I don't like books that have multiple character perspectives because they mess up things. Where you're at a climax of one person's story, then it slows the pacing down on that story to go to another character. That's fair, not in yeah, that pacing. Fair. Yeah. So two open world environments, though, that actually sounds pretty cool. Uh, also, and I wonder how. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm really interested to, to get through. I mean, I want to see if I can continue liking The Evil Within. Um, I, I'm not hating it yet, but I'm feeling, even whenever I was getting to the end of the first chapter, I was like, this is just kind of slow. It just doesn't feel that engaging. And also, <laughs> it hits so hard from the beginning. Unlike the kind of creepy aspect of starting Resident Evil 7 or Outlast, where it's like you come into an area and you see some stuff that definitely worries you and some events happen, but the game gets more gruesome and grotesque as you keep going. It's like yeah. this game's immediately like guy with a chainsaw, uh, a guy teleporting through a camera and stabbing you, running from a chainsaw guy. Uh, you know, you, you have him chasing you through a situation where for no really, for no reason that you can understand whatsoever in a, a mental hospital, there are hallways that have blades that just shoot off the wall. It's like, what? Okay. It's, it's, it, I think it's trying to hit that point because with the events that foretold the, 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 chapter before that i think it's kind of saying like am i mentally crazy right now or like well th that's the first chapter that's the bare beginning of the game and that's what's well, so weird to me is like you show up at a i mean i guess maybe the game you... can later and uh, again someone probably knows this this is not a spoiler the game could eventually be trying to go towards the thing of you were not seeing the events the way they were actually happening because it turns out you were crazy all along that could be a twist but the game, at least right now, starting off is like, why am I apparently just a cop, a detective, rather? I forget the mental hospital is before you drive off and everything starts like yes, erupting yes into chaos. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I'll eventually make it back to that the original one. I got to the part; it's like five hours in, maybe a little bit less, but somewhere in that time frame of the village. And the village in that game is really cool. I didn't get that far. I and, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because when I was playing it, I kept thinking, okay, Shinji Mikami, let's let's see, like you know, what does he think? And I actually, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I appreciate this. I appreciate that with this game, he's not immediately just trying to be Resident Evil, but under a different name. Yeah, it almost which would have been easy to do. Like it's using Resident Evil's kind of gameplay mechanics um, in a way. Fueled by story beats for Silent Hill. Yeah, I could kind of see that, but it's almost like it's everything's just not done well. Everything's ramped up so much. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like Silent Hill is more subtle. Subtle, yeah. And Resident Evil is more bombastic and action packed. And these are kind of doing this. It's like you have subtle horror for a second, where it's like mystical subtle horror, where you're not understanding what's happening, like looking at the camera, seeing the guy teleport through, and then coming behind you. It's a cool moment. Yeah, but then it's immediately followed by a guy chasing you through a hallway with a with a chainsaw, which is maybe that was the goal is like, you know, what if we can kind of mix those two things? What if we can have somber moments followed up uh, that are still creepy, followed up by just immediate balls to the wall action. But it just, I don't know. It makes at least the first chapter of that game. And I quit playing maybe after the second chapter or midway through the second chapter, the first time on computer, mm -hmm. because I just, I wasn't feeling engaged with the game at all. Like I'm like, it's not bad, but it's, it's so not, it's it's also so unexceptional that I don't really care to keep playing it. Yeah, that was the problem I had, and I'm feeling it a little bit here. It's like there's a lot of ideas, but none of them are really being used in a great way. It feels like 
the game is kind of a mediocre mashup of trying to be the... It's like having an identity crisis. Mm. The identity of this game is trying to take from other games, and it's not exactly pulling it off well uh, for what I've played of it. Um, Mm. But maybe by the end of it, you kind of look back on it and you think, you know, maybe this game did do some of these things well, and it was was worth the money I paid for it, because I don't think me... Did you... Did you buy that game full price when it came out on PC, or is it? Or did you get it on sale? No, I got it on sale for probably eighteen dollars about three or four months after it came out. Because you know it wasn't a big seller when it came no. out, and sadly, two came out and sold even worse, despite looking like in all intents and purposes two, that's a better game. And two seemed to explode in popularity too, which is actually kind of crazy at the sales numbers. People, I've read nothing but praise for two. Yeah, me too. But I think it's one of those games that doesn't do anything wrong. So yeah. every time you hear someone talk about it who actually did dig dig into it, it's like, oh my god, it's great. But it never found a big audience. Yeah, I so can it exists see that. in that in between. Uh, but on the other side, uh, so I guess I should say, are, are you confirming? I know that you were you rebought it last time that we were doing the episode. I didn't rebuy so, uh, it or redownloaded it. Rather. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant. But so you've been playing this week as well? No, um, you haven't started again yet. No, I I actually completely forgot to downloaded it because I guess we'll hop into what I've been playing. Um, on Sunday, I left here, did our normal stuff, uh, got home, and, I, and I've I've been in this real bad gaming funk. There's nothing that I've been wanting to play at all um nothing is catching my mind there's nothing that is uh enticing to me at all everything that is is even sort of enticing is involving a much bigger story in a game series i don't want to start like i kind of want to do assassin's creed but then i don't want to have to worry about all of the, all the other stuff um so i tried uh ps now me and you talked about that i yep. only tried that on sunday um i downloaded force unleashed first or i streamed force unleashed uh first had no issues out of that at all. Um, really liked the power fantasy in that game. And then I tried Infamous One, which me and you were discussing at work on Monday. Like, I that game could pass for a PS2 game <laughs> for real. Um, not that it's bad in any means. It's just it kind of is the thing with um, Darksiders is that Darksiders One, despite not being a PS2 game heavily reminded me of like spawn and those other open world ps2 games at least early darksiders uh yeah one, yeah where you're in the city it heavily reminded me of like of a ps2 era of third person action adventure games and persona or not persona um infamous had some cool flair to it but i've decided that i know without a doubt in my mind that they will remaster this game series eventually they're not just not going to I know, but one of the things that you and I talked about when we were doing that is, and I've mentioned it in the Discord, so it's not like it's new for me to say, but Infamous 2, which I would almost encourage you, but it would it would be a little spoilerish. So that's why I, I'm I don't want to do that then. That's why that's why I say not to. But even if then, just look up someone playing Infamous 2 with just like free play for just a little bit and you would be amazed at just how crazy different infamous two looks from a graphical standpoint but i mean across the board the game is just leaps and bounds above the first it's one of the few times where i think a really amazing first game uh despite some issues comes out to just be a even crazier second game and a lot of that comes down into uh the way the gameplay does so like one of the things you can feel because you play the uh, the this looks like a ps3 game yeah, that that first one does not look like this. Yeah, it, the, well, one of the things that the first one I think has going against it is it's actually got a fairly large open world, and the the world itself is not terrible looking. No, I was. It's the characters and the character animations that really put it Zeke, back. Yeah, Zeke is a very annoying character. Even though well, you I know, know you said that that's a grander scheme there in a way, right? It, it is, but also I'd say uh, so. You played Sly Cooper, right? Yeah. Uh, now, if you look 
most of the animations for Infamous 1 almost seem like they're directly ripped from Sly Cooper. Whenever you go to perch up on something, you look you exactly like Sly like Cooper Sly. does. Yeah. Whenever you're going in, uh, across the wires and stuff, you're kind you of look gliding. a lot like Sly whenever he's doing his Interesting. thing. Interesting. Um, so you see a lot of definitely Sly Cooper 3. In Sly Cooper 3, you could start sliding down wires and stuff. Yeah. And it felt really like that whenever in Infamous 1 when you get the ability to grind on rails and wires and stuff uh, with your electricity. It's really interesting. And then another thing is Zeke. Zeke always reminded me because he's a bigger character of um, Murray. Murray, yeah. and the way that he moves, where he's kind of like lumbering, yeah, that looks exactly like Murray's animations in the Sly Cooper games. So I feel like a lot of it was that they had it, they had a really ambitious new idea that was so different from what they had that it was really simple for them to take the idea and be like where we can reuse animation so that we can get this game out quicker. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just now so far away from release it really dates the game it didn't date it when it first came out no i could see this being a title that when it first came out it kind of showed some cool um features because it, it kind of takes you know that free roam aspect of the game and the fact that you can pretty much scale up most buildings with ease mm-hmm. which then and there's not a game that came out for that that wasn't a spider-man title that you can do that that well in Assassin's, that I Assassin's Creed came out very similar around it. I think maybe 08 was Assassin's Creed or 09. And, and Infamous <sighs> 1 was uh, 09. That's crazy, too, considering how different the games look. Yes. Yes, they are very different games. But uh, with that said, still, I think that the way they handle parkour and moving and scaling buildings in Infamous is actually a lot more tactile and good feeling than Assassin's Creed hold a button and just run up stuff. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's easier in Assassin's Creed, but you don't feel connected to the world while you're doing it. You don't feel like you're making the decision so much as you're just running and climbing, you know? Well, um, I really wish I got it um, on the free sale because if anything, it made me, I'm spelling Infamous wrong, um, it made me want to play Infamous Second Son. Oh, yeah, and I still, well, you don't have a disc drive no, yeah. <laughs> that works. I, was like, I still have it on disc. But no, it's, it's the Infamous Second Son is like the inverse of the first game, right? So the first game has got such an amazing story and really cool gameplay and like morality choices, but the game itself kind of looks janky. Second Son looks and feels beautiful, is animated so well. But the story But itself. the story and the moral dilemmas are kind of basic. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's what sucks. Anytime there's a moral dilemma in a game, it, it just it always seems to fall flat in a sequel. But uh, yeah, so I played those two, and I, I canceled my PS Now subscription. I don't really, I don't really have a need to play the, I, any PS3 games on there. They have Resistance Three, but not One and Two, which kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And within with what Insomniac's been teasing for the past couple of weeks, anyways, I'm remaster. pretty sure we're gonna get a remaster of those or a new game or a reboot. Either all of yeah. those are fine. Yeah, anything honestly. in that I like that universe a lot. Um, but I started playing Skyrim again just just because <laughs> uh, I didn't have anything else to do. So I made a new character, made a new backstory for him, a new role play for him. And I've been kind of going through that. And I'm kind of doing it differently. Normally, if like, I play a mage character, I don't really use um, staffs at all. I hate the re- having to recharge them with like soul gems. Yes. So yeah. what I'm trying to do now is instead of playing a mage character... Um, that uses like bound bow. I'm playing with bound battle axe and bound sword and destruction magic, like a battle mage. And I'm yeah. using heavy armor and stuff yeah. like that. And it and with a couple of the mods, it actually kind of feels more fresh. So that's kind of just giving me something to play. I'm enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it 
as much as I would a new game. And you're playing it on PS4? Yes. Yeah, um, I'm playing it on PS4 because um, I didn't. I had it. I guess I had it physically for Xbox One. You did. Okay. Yeah. I do remember that because I went to go download it and it's like you pay the forty dollars or whatever. I'm like, I thought I had this. You you bought it physically when you bought your One S. Yeah, and I, I have, remember. I have it on PC on Skyrim. I mean, I have it on. I have Skyrim on PC too. Um, but my one of my PC monitors do, is doing this like really weird thing where intermittently it flashes, and I'm like. I think my, my one of my monitors is going to die. So what I may do here just in the future is like sell those for like really cheap because they're $200 monitors anyways. And I'm going to get like a nice 1440p monitor yeah, and just get a single one yeah. um, and do it that way. I'm not sure yet though because I do like dual monitor setups and I'm not buying two 1440p monitors. That would be like $800. Well, have you thought about doing one of your ultra wides that is two, essentially the size of two monitors like, like raised computer screen? Um... I would, but you it's it's kind of tricky to set those things up for a dual screen layout purposes. Yeah. yeah. Um and for that like for me uh, an ultra ride it's kind of one of those things of like the space in between the bezels of a dual monitor setup is enough that's like I can separate them in my mind. Min- but like yeah, I don't mental. want yeah, if I'm playing a game and I have it half screened or whatever, the, ne- the 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 direct wallpaper next to it or whatever it is next to it will take me out of the game. So it it kind of is an immersion killer for that. I don't really like wide screens anyways. Um but I've never had a real wide screen experience. So yeah. it could be one of those things that I like. Well, going back to your game things, one of the things we talked about this week was a bunch of smaller games. Like you know, my plan of attack was to get into some of the shorter game experiences that you can get through quickly. Cause I think you know, whenever you're in a slump, at least for me, I know I don't want to get out of a slump by going, unless it's something I already know something about. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, excuse me. I don't want to necessarily hop into something like I'm trying to think of just like really large games, like oh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's the or, opposite for me for the most part. <clears throat> what do you mean? Like I, I tend to do that. You want to hop into a single game that I want to hop is, into a single game that you don't get to finish. That no, that that I will finish. Well, what, what I mean, uh, I, I meant to say you don't get to finish quickly. Like yeah, I for me, whenever I'm in a slump, I want to get back to something that kind of quickly latches on, but also resolves. So I kind of have that experience. It's like yeah, this is why I like gaming, and then let that go up to the big games. Well, because like if I came back from what I've been doing with something that was kind of really slow paced and and full of things to do like not not even skyrim i think skyrim handles it well but there's a couple of games that are just about being massive to be massive and it's like those games are always kind of hard for me to come back into um where it's a lot easier for me to go okay uh, i knew that little uh, nightmares was a short game yeah and it was really good i was <laughs> i was really surprised i learned a lot about it too because i started looking it up it was originally a game called hunger which is a good reason for that uh that was going to be a ps4 exclusive before sony dropped publishing it uh but so that was interesting I learned about a lot about that and i really enjoyed the game and it's weird that you know i mentioned that the horror for that was i wanted to kind of do that and take a break with gris before going into evil within um, Little Nightmares, I think, handles the more subtle horror that Evil Within tries to do occasionally. Yeah, much better, <laughs> so much better. But my my bigger overall point was there is that both Gris, even though it was longer than I even anticipated, not not by a massive amount, but it was longer. Um, and shout out when you beat it, you don't have to replay the whole game to go back and do things that you missed. You can do chapter select. That's cool. I love that because a lot of games that I otherwise would have platinumed make you replay them from the get go yeah, to go back and get stuff. And that bums me out. But 
those two, those smaller experiences, both of those being able to move through them and kind of get through their whole story and arc helped me to where now that I'm in the evil within, I don't mind playing it despite the fact that it's not going to move at any kind of a pace that's remotely similar. I've been able to build my want to experience games back up a little bit. Well, and I think that's where we come into two different kinds of funks. Because I'm not, I'm not in a funk for gaming. I'm actually just... I'm in a funk because there's nothing I want to play. I really want to experience something massive, and I really want to play video games. I just there's nothing that's grabbing my attention as a video game. Well, me too. Well, at the time, not, it, but the way you're making it sound like was that you didn't want to like you were having a hard time jumping back into gaming. Period. Where I'm not having that problem. I'm having a problem of finding a game that'll do that. Well, because see, you found your games a lot easier than I have, but I don't really have an interest to play those games. Well, some of the ones I mentioned, you have an interest to play, but you have the dilemma of wanting to play them on Switch and not having the Switch right yes. now because you can't get one. Yes. So that's kind of the mixture. It's like a lot of the games you're like, and I'm not, I don't blame you. I think, I, I think I'd probably, if I had the opportunity and it would have been on Vita, uh, I would have, Vita. I would have preferred to play Yoten on Vita. I would have preferred to oh, play, yeah. um, uh, Lord, I, I'm, Sundered on Vita. I was gonna say we were talking, we were talking about Yoder, Yoden, or both of those. Um, Thunder Lotus. They are okay. Yes, uh, but yeah, see, a lot of these smaller games, I would love to play on handheld, and I'm with you. It's just, and I get where you're at. It's like even though I had, the, I, I mean, I'm glad I experienced them on there. But since you have a Switch in there, and the games are all available on Switch, and you don't care about trophies and stuff like that, you have that situation where you want to play them on there. To get your optimal experience, but you just don't have an opportunity to really yeah. do that right now. And see, um, it's kind of like the same with Final Fantasy XIV. I want to hop back into Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, I yeah. I don't know if I can. Call to arms, people who are listening to this podcast, help me. I cannot play CDs, ROMs. Yes, not Blu-ray CD ROMs. I can't play disc in my PS4. I cannot buy or download. The original, just heaven's word edition on PS4 digitally, because I had a disc and I have every DLC, including Shadowbringers, installed on my PS4, but I don't have the disc and I can't play the disc. So the basic edition of Final Fantasy XIV is free online right now, but are you saying that the basic edition includes Shadowbringers now? No, I'm just saying, let me go see real quick. I can, Well, we'll see how well the PS, PS Store works on my laptop. I need to do does. the same thing. But, um... That's the thing is that like if I can find the base edition to download it, I can't. I could not find it on PS4 at all. It was only deluxe editions and editions that had the DLC, which I had, which I can't. I'm not going to buy that for $50 because I already have the DLCs. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's one of those things. Like, and I'm going to type in Final Fantasy 15 and I'm going to get all the little. Um, well, someone shared it in the thing yesterday that it was free. So, I mean, that may be at a specific um avatars and all kinds of crap so there's Shadowbringers for forty dollars let me sort by price high to low um but yeah it's just it's irritating me because i really want to play it so it's the starter edition that is free what is that art on that one I, I don't know and here we are without having that in this freaking store even though you do where oh i, I hit games are you telling me that these top three items, including the complete edition, are not games. Hey, man. I, dude, I cannot stand. And this says unavailable. For you? For, is it not unavailable for you? No, it's available for me. So I think we've learned that Saul's, uh, Saul's status as an in-betweener here, you got problems, Not available man. for purchase? 
Because tell, tell me more. You are not able to purchase a part for the following reasons. You have already purchased a Realm Reborn Starter Edition pack. But I have it through the disc. Go check your downloads. Man, this is so complicated. <laughs> this is so complicated. So are you telling me that I can download the Starter Edition without having to... Put your disc in, maybe? Oh, man. I don't know. What is the weird... If anybody has any experience here... Please go tell Saul what to do because he keeps talking about this. Did my account get hacked or something? I don't know. It's showing that I downloaded these on 5.9. Oh, no, you, your, your license is renewed. Oh, okay. Cause I, was like, I sure have now not played typewriter on in March of 2020. That yeah. was like five years ago. Anybody who ever sees their games come up in a weird order, it's because your digital license have renewed. Uh, but okay. Severed? Severed? I don't For, remember having ever, ever having that game. Yeah, you played it on Vita. You played it on Vita. Did I play it on Vita too? Yes, you did. Oh, that's right. I didn't like it because it was a first-person dungeon crawler. Yeah. But either way, we're going to go ahead and hop into the the, the drop. The drop? We're going to hop into the drop that we've not done in months. Uh, All right. So the community uh, take question before we go into the news here is, uh, with Ghost of Tsushima bringing back the state of play format that's been hit or miss for many, what would you like to see from the next state of play? With that, would you prefer it to be more singularly focused or still try to show multiple games? Uh, Over on Twitter... One of our patrons, Mr. Sean One Neo, he says, It depends how many state of play we have between now and launch of the PS5. I can't decide which order is best, but one should reveal the consoles and features, and in another should be a lineup of PS5 games guaranteed at launch. I'm still waiting to see why we even need a PS5. Uh, which is an interesting way of saying that. Yeah, when you don't know too much outside of tech talk that you may not understand, you need to be able to physically, or yeah, I guess physically see uh, what it is that you're looking forward to. Another one of our patrons, he says, uh, it's Mr. Kevin Bacon bit. He says, I think it depends on what they have to show. If it's a deep dive like Ghost of Tsushima was, then I like the single game focus, but I also like the multiple game state of plays that show little bits of a lot of games. And now he brings me back to the kind of one point of state of play has been a format that's been hit or miss. I don't think that anybody's universally felt a single way about it, any of them. I think Saul was a strong example of the first state of play he was incredibly disinterested in. I was disinterested in like the first three. Yeah. The first two. I know, I know it was at least the first, the first two. One, the first one was that, the only PSVR thing? It wasn't only, but it was like 65 or 70, overwhelmingly PSVR. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I didn't, And now, of course, I like oh. VR, so that's, of course, why that happens. Um, but okay. <laughs> with that, uh, anyway, it goes back to that thing of where I think that you're going to start seeing different people, whereas some people didn't like the first one or the second one, but maybe like the third one. That... I think different ways of this hit different people. And it's weird. I think the same thing is really true of the Nintendo things. Uh, the Nintendo Directs. I think it's just set up to where, because Nintendo is kind of the one that pioneered them, there were no expectations. So you've kind of just inadvertently liked some better than others, but you didn't really care. I think PlayStation's had the problem of playing second to kind of following the, the Direct uh, setup. And some people liking certain takes on it and other people not liking it. It's an interesting thing. Uh, 
But I'm going to bounce over to Facebook here for a second. Mr. Ken Nay says, I'd like to see it focus on one game in depth, then have a few quick announcements, but keep it 30 minutes or less, which I think is very much in line with what you said last week. Is show a deep dive and then give us a sizzle reel. Yes. Uh, That's something like um, that I think that it's, it's something that it'll work well. Like imagine Ghost ends at 17 minutes and then you have 13 more minutes of Scissor real stuff. Like, it, it works well, in my opinion, because it, it, it ends for people who are only there for Ghost of Tsushima leaving. Yeah. And then, it, then or staying around and then saying, well, I'm not interested in any of these games, but they got to see Ghost of Tsushima anyways. Mm-hmm. So they're happy regardless. I think it kind of, it's it's a cool balance, in my opinion. I'm trying to go find it. Uh, oh, here it is. I think that this is a good way to set it up. He says, more singular focus, but towards the end, give a 30-second sizzle reel showing two to three upcoming games, uh, with one of which should be the following state of play. That way, the next state of play gets people talking and has some hype going in. So basically, the idea of, like, let's use Ghost of Tsushima, uh, they would show Ghost, and then they'd announce another game at the end, and they'd say, on the next state of play, we're going to deep dive into this. I'm not a fan of that just because there are so many things in the industry that can change an event like that. Sure. And because you're going to assume this is every three months. In three months, that's a lot of time frame. It depends. I mean, because how often are directs? Again, it's 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 weird to compare them directly because they're not it's, the exact same. Th- there's no real way to tell. But they're sporadic, yeah. right? Like you may have three in a two-month period, and then you may not have one for three months, right? Right. Yeah. Or at least it feels that way. Now, hold on here. For any, if for anybody curious here, Saul is still going through his uh, download list. I'm going to chunk my laptop across the room because I just clicked on. Did this better not have taken me back? I just clicked on the sh- A Realm Reborn. Bam. And it takes you to the starter edition? Let, let me see if this lets me download Saul, this. I have, I have a solution for you. I'm going to sell my PS4. Create a second account. Nope. Download it on there and then play it on your main account. I think this is going to work. I'll tweet out if I, if, if I can successfully play Final Fantasy fourteen today. We will know. <laughs> brand new character, brand new everything. Summoner for life. All right, let's see. Uh, over on Twitter, Sean Santarude says, I think Nintendo, and he's one of our patrons as well. Thank you, sir. He says, I think Nintendo get it right with having a mixture of directs with some focused on a bunch of games while others just on single player games, or single games rather, sorry. They also have their indie showcases, which are good too. Which is interesting. Do you think that State of Play will ever do a indie focused State of Play? Like, dude, PlayStation has not really been indie forward for a while now. I would say that the first couple of State of Plays were actually very indie forward. Well, um, I would say as indie forward as they were at the beginning of the generation. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get that back, but there's also a lot more games to contend with than there were at the beginning of the generation. What better way to fill the void of you not having too many games other than just championing a couple of indie games that you really think are going to be a good show, regardless of whether they're actually exclusive on your console. Yeah. You make the people feel like they're part of the PlayStation experience because you're supporting it. It did well it. for Nintendo, so I can say yeah for that. Um, they got to hit heavy hitters, though. Like Hollow Knight? Being mm-hmm. a thing on Switch is that's a big baseball bat you're hitting with there. You don't you better not show up with Meatball and Lava Boy or something for the <laughs> PS4 and you announce it. Did you just do like <laughs> Super Meat Boy yeah. and Shark, Shark Boy and Lava yeah. Girl mix up? Yes, I love this. I want to see this as a game, and I want the effects to be just like they were in that really bad movie. Oh, it will be. Um, all right, we're going to do a couple more here and kind of go on from there. Uh, Mr. El Jehudi, one of our uh, patrons, he says, I like the focus of this one. They fleshed with a good number. Let's see. I'm hoping that I'm reading these in order. 
I like the focus of this one. They fleshed out a good number of aspects of the game. Surprisingly, it made me excited for the game after being skeptical. Some state of plays can be more like quickfire news, but it's good to have ones that flesh one game and aspect in the future. I hope the PS5 reveal will be something similar. It was well-paced, gave adequate time, and delved into most of the important aspects of the game. Hopefully, the PS5 one will be something along these lines. Which goes back to a discussion that happened over in our Discord, where we'll kind of close this discussion off and uh mr luke rabbit over here says i'd like to say a mixture of both types i feel like this one was one of the best though what i really appreciated was that they set the expectations for what it would be about i like to see maybe several state of plays or an extended state of play with a whole series of inside looks at playstation 5 games and this came a question over here where Josh Ayers, one of our other patrons alongside Luke Rabbit, said, you think PS5 will be tied to state of play? You would think so. And I think that that's a big thing going on right now is whether or not state of play is going to be the actual avenue for showing off the play. And we've talked about it. Like, I feel like it's possible. But I also feel like I see what you're doing over there and I love it. But I also feel like it's possible that they try to keep state of play from it because of something I've said months ago, which is if you're not careful, you can make state of play supposed to be this E3 sized event every time, which I think someone actually mentioned somewhere in this. And the, the problem that happens here is that everybody expects every yeah over on twitter tyler rife 74 he mentions that mostly people just complain about everything because they expect each and every nintendo direct or state of play will be their own e3 press conference i don't think the nintendo has that nearly as bad as the playstation side of things um and why i'm not exactly sure of but i do think that that's a big thing here is that if you're not careful you set the expectation that state of play is supposed to be an e3 replacement and part of the reason that happened is because sony backed out of playstation or backed out of e3 and instead showed a playstation state of play it's kind of the <laughs> no i won't post uh, on twitter i no, hope no context do. i'm just gonna put that image there yes um but, uh, yeah, that kind of comes down to, I, I am curious as we're going to see that. I mean, we'll know in the soon, in the near future as to whether or not this rumor about the early June, I think it's June 4th, uh, event is an actual thing and what it means by event. Is it just a stream thing? Um, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be an actual event with people getting together, but maybe it'll be more like what we've been seeing where you see a couple of games and then some talks about those games. Who knows? Time will tell, uh, but we've got a little bit of time to figure that out. So we'll know sooner or later, but we're going to go ahead and move into the news with Saul painstakingly creating one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Uh, head over to our Twitter, which is at TriangleSQRD, uh, to get a sneak peek at this because it's beautiful and it directly relates to something we've just stupidly shed, said on the show. Uh, but going to start off the news the way we've been doing with an interesting game of the week and that in this case is not a small game as much as i think it's a very daring choice uh, of use for a game though also a smart choice is minecraft dungeons um i've been just really interested in this since they first showed it because i like dungeon crawlers and i like the idea and we've been seeing them come back with things like darksiders uh, genesis and now Minecraft Dungeons, but they're not as much of a genre as they once were. They used to be a really big genre. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying things out. Calm down. But I think Minecraft Dungeons is a really weird use of 
or really good weird use of the Minecraft IP because Minecraft is this big genre that you'd already are a little surprised that it took off as much as it did. Uh, but since it's so big and it's such a big namesake, you're going to inadvertently end up getting people who try out a dungeon crawler for potentially the first time just because they like Minecraft and like the Minecraft name. So to me, this is a good use of it and it may have the effect of bringing dungeon crawlers back as more of a genre that more people are into because Minecraft Dungeons acted as their segue into uh, in their introduction into the genre. Um, so are you going to get that game? Uh, I probably am, actually. I'm really excited for it. If you do, we should totally link up, play together. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a fun thing to do to where we choose a night every now and then where we just let a couple of patrons or friends or whatever part of the community to come in and play. Uh, since I think only four can play. Yeah, I'm curious about the loot in the game and like uh, the longevity of it. Yeah, me too. I, I don't, ex- if I'm being honest, I don't expect a Diablo 3 length out of this. And I mean that from like replayability standpoint. Uh, what have you, are you animating this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to. I, I could explain to you how you can animate, no, but it's, it's actually rather complicated. It is complicated. <laughs> I just put 100 frames thinking that would do something that didn't do it. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying things out that I've never done before. I could explain to you how to do it, and you could actually make it look like meat. Well, I'm not going to say too much more. Stay tuned to our Twitter. Okay, first thing up on the news, though, is Sony announced what is likely the last special edition we will see from this generation with a PS4 Pro special edition for The Last of Us Part 2 that sees Ellie's moth and fern tattoo that is on her arm uh, engraved into the plastic top cover with games the game's logo printed in the middle stack of the system. To go alongside it, they're releasing a special edition gold headset with matching design and a 2 terabyte external HDD that is also branded alongside it. The system comes with a physical copy of the game, which is actually kind of surprising, and retails for $399.99, launching alongside the game. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Saw and I have already talked about this earlier in the week. God, dude, what are you doing? But I, I, I get both sides of it, right? So Saul's immediate question here was, who is this for so close to the PlayStation 5? Yeah. And... I see both ends of it. And part of that is like you using examples for people within our community. Um, Kiki, who already had like the Kingdom Hearts 3 special edition PlayStation 4, which is a pretty rare one, actually. Um, he went forward in buying this. So I think it's kind of one of those things where, of course, there's the super fans that just want it because it kind of acts as a really cool and rather exclusive piece um, to show your love about it. And it does still have a use of being a system. Um I think there's people that are just 100% going to collect it and never plug it in. That always happens. Then you're going to have people who really like The Last of Us 1, came to it late, and are interested in The Last of Us 2, so they're okay with getting a new system, but they're not necessarily looking to go to the PS5 for a few years. Now, the only thing about that one that's hard to kind of bring together in a way that makes total sense is... It's so bad. (laughs) It is so bad. But... I think the problem, and like I think that's a big reason with Saw, is like even if you try and give people the justification of maybe they're wanting to wait to go into the PlayStation Five, it's a bad time to buy a new PS4 Pro for four hundred dollars when we don't exactly know how much the PS5 is going to be, but it's surely going to be five to six hundred dollars. So for a hundred to potentially two hundred dollars more, you could get a much more future-proof system that could play all your PS4 games still. Yeah, like I'm not criticizing those who buy it. Yeah, that's nor not am I. the issue. I was kind of more criticizing like. 
the company for releasing something like this. Like it makes sense. Yeah. Because it's a collector's edition and people who collect those are going to collect those and they're going to have those. That doesn't mean that that is their end all console. Um, well, it's like the, it's like then, the cyberpunk console from Xbox. Xbox I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why does this exist so late into the generation? Yeah, and it's their last. Now that I well. think about it. What was there any special edition consoles this late last June? I know there wasn't one for Xbox. Well, there was never one like this kind of it for PS3, was there? They never really did special editions. They did very few, uh, and a lot of them... I'm, I'm trying to think of a special edition super slim PlayStation 4, or PS3, rather. They had a Red God of War one. Not PS4. Dang it. They had a Red God of War PS3, didn't they? I'm trying super to remember. <laughs> I, I don't... shiny red. I thought you had it. Didn't somebody have it? That what? thing, bottom right hand. Red PlayStation Super Slim. I didn't have it, and there's also a blue one here, but I don't really consider that special edition. I don't like well, if, yeah. if this actually got made, which I'm thinking. What is that? The Ford Sellers? No, what is that? Oh, Yakuza. So there, that looks like that was probably a Japanese one. That's actually that goes pretty to show cool that, that we probably get cool stuff like that oh, in yeah, the states all the time. No, no surprise either. Oh, that's a white one for that one. So maybe I was thinking of red for. I swear there was a red God of War one. That one. With the God of War saga. Yep, yeah. The legacy bundle. I do remember that now. Still, that's just a special color. I guess it's cool, but you're right. It is a rarer thing to see. But again, gaming's in a lot better place now than it was during the PS3 gen. Yeah. So maybe it's just that. I don't know. It's weird to come out when you, you feel like there's got to be so many PS4 Pros out there already. I don't know. I mean, it, it's nothing that's just too crazy, but it is hard to think of, at least for us, I think partially because the value proposition of it is so much lower than usual. So it, it is a highly specific, specific item for just super fans and collectors. Well, the rumor on the, on the streets is that the PS5 is going to be 650 which is ridiculous. Yeah. And where where did this rumor originate from? Is I don't know that, where. Curiosity? I don't know where it's originated from, but I've seen it on Twitter, I've seen it on Reddit, and I've seen YouTube videos discussing about it. But that's kind of this internet circle jerk. Like it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna say one thing, and then it's gonna be on all three of these other websites just circling around. You know which one was surprising to me that it didn't really catch on is when there was a like a, a couple of developers who were like, with what we're seeing in here, we anticipate five forty nine. Yeah, and not a lot of people jumped on that. And to me, that actually seems. Pretty reasonable. I, I honestly think it will not be cheaper than five fifty. Yeah. I think five fifty is the starting point for that console. Unless um, again, we, uh, I still think we're seeing a, a cat. Like uh, I, I, I'm, uh, we're seeing a little bit of a, of a weird race of you do it first. I think that both Xbox and Microsoft are trying to wait as long as possible before one of them just finally caves and puts their price out first, so that the other person can try and undercut it. Yeah, not that is, they will. It's kind but of a try weird to. move nowadays too, because it's like the two fan bases are so different. But there is always going to be the casual gamer that you have to you have to consider that you're only going to give you're only going to persuade them by cost when they well, yeah. when they only will buy one. Well, it's not only that, but people people really underestimate. Like I saw somebody post a, a thing on Twitter, and it's an incredibly it's a really dumb opinion in my opinion, and that was that people who earn trophies aren't going to want to move systems. Listen, I had like 16,000 gamer score or something like that on Xbox. 
and I move systems. That does not affect me at all. If, yeah. if Sony drops the ball and they're like, you can't, there is no more backwards compatibility. This thing costs $700. There's no 4K ruler player in it. And I decide not to get the console. I that is not a the second guess on my mind to go get an Xbox. I think for trophies. I think it's levels, right? It's I think well, there's people like the hardcore fans that care about the trophies sure. that much. Yeah, I, that's don't, what I mean, I don't people really like me trophies. and Liam anymore. Uh, when you go to where you have like you know close to a hundred, if not over a hundred platinums, and you clearly yes. care, it is harder to want to let but go. But you of would that. also be harder to sway a new system depending on the levels of severity when it comes down from what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think what would really happen for me, but of course these are all these things, of, I think what would happen for me is I'd be more likely to get a secondary system earlier on in the lifespan. Yeah. So I'm still going to get a PS5, even if they kind of bungle some things, as long as the main thing I really want from it, which is just good new games, Yeah, and see, continues to be fair. But I mean, if they do something that's crazy, I would be much more likely to get an Xbox Series X sooner than I otherwise would have because and I don't anticipate getting both of them day one definitely since the one X is going to continue to be a viable solution for the exclusives yeah and see something for me that is incredibly plausible of happening because this can happen with any company that's gonna happen on any day of the week so could come out and drop the ball on something massive for me mm -hmm. doesn't mean I'm not gonna support them if it's bad enough yeah I'll vote my wallet but something tells me they're not stupid enough to do something that bad but Say there's a feature on there I don't like. Say that they're doing something I don't like. There is no contest about Sony's exclusives for single-player experiences specifically. That does not stop me from playing all my games on Xbox except those exclusives that come out for yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, I get your point. And yeah. it's, it's one of those things of like... You, you semi-vote with your wallet. You, yeah, you take your third-party business... To the other system, yeah, the, that the you feel system like that's supposed to be more powerful or whatever, and all that stuff. Because we haven't seen PlayStation Five, but the like this is the a thought process that I'm not the only person that would have. People act like that there's an end all be all when they choose one thing. It's like I put over thousands of hours in my place or my Xbox 360, and yet here I am eight years later with the PS4 with over thousands of hours in it. There. It, some people are easy to tie down with trophies and stuff. That's not the case for most people. Most people who are likely to buy another system anyways do not care about that stuff that ties them down. So if, if I'm being honest, I think the thing that weighs everybody down more than anything now is friends. Is digital rights. Well, it could be digital rights. I, I, I friends are important for me. But considering that there's been such a big move toward crossplay. Yeah. I think most of the friends thing is getting kind of a swatch. Like it's 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 a little out of the way. It doesn't mean it's going to be every game, but most games you're probably going to be able to play with your friends. If not right now, Hopefully. already currently, then you're going to in the future. Of course, unless those things go back, I don't think they will. Uh, but with that said, I think what happens here is that with the move, as we've seen, like PlayStation and Xbox, that over half of the people who own the systems and are buying games. 60% of games sold last year, I think, were digital or something crazy. Yeah. It, was, it was quite a big jump. So when you start to weigh down, when you have a physical library, it's so much easier to go, uh, you know what? I'll sell the system. I'll sell the games. I don't need it. You know, well, it's, it's way easier to get out from under it where when you do feel like you own so many games that you've put thousands of dollars into and they're tied into that one ecosystem. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think that that's probably the absolute hardest barrier to cross right now it, on any given person is how much they own on a digital basis that would not transfer to Xbox with them. It is a contender. Or the vice versa. You know, It's a contender, but here's my mindset with that kind of thing is as an all digital person. Mm-hmm. You got to think about it from this perspective in a way, too. I'm in a funk. I don't have a game that I could go buy that I want 
which means I don't have a game that I own that I download that I would want. Mm-hmm. So if something wants to drop the ball, I'm not going to care about that library of games. Currently, mm-hmm. it'll be the future where I'm like, man, I kind of do wish I had uh, Evil yeah. Within. And then it comes down to a thing of like, I guess I'll just have to buy it again kind of thing. Like, I, it's it's the same exact uh, problem when you trade a video game in and three years later you won't play it again. You just got to buy it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I know plenty of people who've done that too. Yeah. But me, I just think... Grand Auto 5 like six yeah. times. What's my, up? Skyrim like five times. <laughs> but I, I, I still think that that's have I bought Skyrim one of times? the harder things to go through. So Hold on. I got to count this out now. I got, I got Skyrim at launch on 360. Yep. Like l- midnight launch. I got it on. I got the not the special edition. What was it called? The uh, the collection. The game of the year version. Game of the year version on PS3. Mm-hmm. I bought the special edition at launch on Xbox. I also technically got the special edition at launch for PS4 for Annie. Mm-hmm. I don't consider that mine though. And then I redownloaded special edition when it was just on sale. What was it like uh, two weeks ago for fourteen dollars yeah. or whatever? Yeah. So I bought it five times. Do you? The only one you don't own is a Switch version. Yeah, I don't own the Switch version. Because you own the PC version, too. Oh, crap, six times. Yeah. I did forget about the PC version. Because yeah. I I, play, I installed it, I played it, I'm like, this plays really well. And then I was kind of like messing with mods. And I did the thing where, like, you download Skyrim. You're like, I'm going to make this thing modded like crazy. You spend, like, three hours on all the mods and you just don't play the game. <laughs> or you spend three hours, can't get the mod order correct. <laughs> That's never been an issue for me. It's Every time I've gone back to play Skyrim... The fun is trying to mod Especially it. Especially special editions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's getting all the mods 100% correct. And you're like, man, I just spent three hours on mods. I better go eat some dinner. And then you'll just never play Skyrim again. <laughs> I've done that on PC. And then, and, then when you, and then when you come back, you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to play Skyrim. I do have this character I made with all these mods on it. I'm just going to delete all these and start again. And then you just don't play the game anymore. You're just, you're just <laughs> the endless cycle of mods. All right. Let's see. Next thing up, of course, is the return of... Uh, days of play event so it's coming back this year after we saw leaks of advertisement potentially last week uh, deals include select gold wireless headsets for $69.99 the platinum headsets down to $129.99 which is a pretty good deal actually. Buy, buy the platinum headsets for $130 that's a good deal yeah 30% off of a year of PS Plus or PS Now uh, and you can get 20% off of three months of PS Now uh, various games discounted like Neo 2 for $39.99 Death Stranding for $29.99 Medieval for $19.99 and that's just a couple of them there's also uh, way more running throughout this wholesale that lasts from june 3rd to june 17th so what we saw last year was our last week rather was a little bit off on timeline yeah um, um I, and I, it may have just been lucky guesses i actually uh, over the over this weekend i believe i did it on friday but i put a tweet out and i was hoping um to get some recommendations on some games to play this weekend because i have a three-day weekend and brett was making fun of me for playing skyrim our uh, our good buddy. Um, I like how lightly teasing you becomes play Skyrim. I well, even El Chabib yeah. laughed at me. He said Skyrim dot lol. Thank you, El Chabib, for laughing at me too. Uh, but our good buddy on Twitter, uh, Negator uh, or Negator, I guess uh, he he said Neo two. And with the news of the days of play sale having Neo two for forty, I'm gonna wait and pick it up then because I actually don't think I didn't think to look, but. Um, it might actually be on sale now. I doubt it because it just came out. So if um, I remember right, I think uh, Negator or whatever his name is on there is uh, our patron, Danny Villobos. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. See, that's the kind of the, oh, mm, it's actually on sale right now for $39. Well, there you go. Buy it right now, Saul. Do it. You don't think I'm not doing it right now? No, I, I see you doing it. Includes. All right, there you go. Thanks, man. You've given Saul his next game. He just hit purchase. 
You, yeah, you, I'm downloading you, it right now, Danny, if you, that is your real name. <laughs> if that is your real name. <laughs> oh, come on. Is it going to let me do the... Uh, what is this doing? Uh-oh. Sauce having problems over here. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get into the next piece over here. Uh, it's another bundle that I meant to do directly after the other one, but oh well. Uh, it is the Iron Man no. PSVR bundle that includes the game, the headset, two PlayStation Move controllers, and the PS camera for $349.99. And that launches beside the game on July 3rd. But the more important part of things that came alongside this announcement was the release of a demo for the game on the PlayStation Store for players to try before they buy. And this comes back to something we've talked about a lot on this show, which is the idea of putting demos out before games release so that you have a chance to kind of see what it's like before you buy it. And I think it's a really big move for Sony here, definitely in trying to get people to pick up this game for PSVR. It's a, it's a game that could easily feel like a gimmick and experience just by hearing someone describe it. But if you let somebody experience it themselves, they get to determine whether or not they're interested in buying it. So great move on their part. The big return here, uh, is that the big thing I want to see come back with PS5, and I think there's a high possibility with Sony partnering with Microsoft for their servers and with the SSD being so quick, installing games quicker, all these things, I have a high feeling that the ability to play... It's something I talked about with PS4 and it just never quite hit. The ability to either play demos of games mm -hmm. or to just play the opening 20 minutes of the game yeah. and then be like, if you want to keep playing, you can. Without having to download, it would be kind of cool. Yeah. Now that could be where PS Now comes in to great use without making people pay for it. Just having it to where like everybody who owns a PS5 can tap into PS Now servers just to play the, the demo section of this game. I would have saved so much money over the years if there were more demos available for things. Like, like I'm going to be honest, the demo for Code Vein had me, it saved me $60. Um, even though I still kind of contemplate going back to that game, the thought of just the demo itself kind of is like pushes me away from it. Which comes back to whether a demo is good or not. But that's the beginning of that game. It's good for a consumer. So, well, I mean that the the content of the demo is is a good show of the game. Honestly, I prefer any demo to ever come out to be the first. 30 minutes of the game of the or game. hour of the game, whatever you may do yeah. your time limit, do not put you in the middle. There's, was it Soul Sacrifice that puts you in the middle of the game? I didn't play the demo for it. So I'm pretty know. sure the Soul Sacrifice demo puts you like in the middle of the story. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now. The game's pretty challenging in the middle too. <laughs> it's completely different with all the powers and stuff you have. Yeah. Well, that's how the game opens as well. You have a, a opening mission where you have a bunch of powers kinda and it so, kind of scales you're back. With, um, well, that's old not, dude. Yeah, and I actually don't think that I'm trying to remember if that that's was not. the way in the original game or if that was Soul Sacrifice Delta. I think it was that way in both of them. Yeah. Either I way, I remember that scene so well that it. I don't remember playing that Delta that much. Yeah. Delta was good. Whenever it was. I was replaying, I just it. I found that game kind of repetitive. But that was a, at a time before I really cared for. Um, well, and it was a Monster Hunter like. Well, that's what I was the whole say. point. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't classify that quite like Monster Hunter because to me, Monster Hunter was more. Maybe I just like Monster Hunter better. Oh yeah, and well, okay. I mean, but really, the idea behind it was a game that's mission based structures that you can play with other people, and the whole setup is that it's challenging and you can redo them over and over again if you want to get different things out of them. Yeah. So it definitely was the idea of taking a Monster Hunter like game, and you got to remember the necessity for that, and even something like Freedom Wars all came from the fact that Monster Hunter left PlayStation handheld exclusivity. Yeah. Or really, not even exclusivity. They just left PlayStation handhelds. Honestly, I don't think PlayStation would have been in near as weird of a spot if the games were still available on PlayStation. It makes you wonder, was that a Capcom thing or was that a Sony thing? 
I, as far as I know, I think Nintendo just kind of offered them offered more money. Offered them more money. Yeah. Dude, I'll tell you, they're... The, the amount PlayStation of people, shouldn't have let it go because you remember the Vita NGP reveal when it before it was called Vita they showed off Monster Hunter running on Vita yeah and then suddenly in the in between that and release that the, didn't uh, happen Monster Hunter Generations games for the uh, 3DS or whatever mm-hmm. dude that 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 game sold millions and there's so many people to this day that are still playing the new remastered of it on Switch that there's subreddits and communities specifically for that one game that are yeah. 500 plus active members at all times yep. It is mind blowing, and and a lot of those people, those hardcore fans, did not like World, so they just stayed on that game. Yeah, no, World was a big shakeup for the series. Yeah, and it, it did leave some of the people that liked the load windows and the haven't and being able to be knocked out of certain things. It's like, okay, I like I like both of the games. I will say though, I think I do like World style better than traditional Monster Hunter. I like the seamless it's more nature. Flow. Yeah, yeah, it has way more flow. All right, next up on here, Bandai Namco have announced that the Dark Souls series, not including Bloodborne, of course, has sold, or Demon Souls at that point, has sold a cumulative total of over 27 million units, with Dark Souls 3 accounting for 10 million of those units worldwide. Which is nuts. Which is selling over one-third of the ser- of the trilogy. Yep, like what, 32%? Something like that, yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark? Be, um, 30, oh, like 33%? Yeah, something real close to that. Maybe even 35%. Last time we tried to do math on here, we completely not only got the number dude, wrong. Dude, I, I have never felt more stupid. The, like, later that day, I was like, dude, what dude, did we... Not even later that day when I was done with it, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I'm like... I didn't. I didn't bring it back up because I think we had already moved on to a different thing. I'm like, yeah. there's something wrong with the math we just did. It was way. At, I remember that I was like just a little out of it that episode, but like. Hours well, I later, I took a nap that day. Hours later, I woke up. I was like, "Did I say that two percent of a hundred million was two hundred thousand? Well, I think originally I had it right, but then we were we had the number wrong. I don't know. Wasn't what it happened. what it was? But hey, you know what? The thing about doing a live show or rather a recording like this and not happen. editing it. I mean, it's it's live for all intents and purposes. We don't edit it. I guess so. Uh, well, is that you're occasionally going to catch yourself in some stupid stuff, but it's okay. <laughs> we had podcaster brain for a moment. I guess I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, but next thing going on is we have another uh, sales update on games with Take Two showing that Red Dead Redemption Two has hit 31 million units, which is a really freaking big number, uh, and Grand Theft Auto Five sitting at 130 million copies. Oh man, that is more copies than Wii's sold. Just, yeah, that's amazing. It is. That's more copies than PlayStation 4. I own six of those copies. (laughs) Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is also getting a sales uh, kind of update on here. It's continued to work wonders for publisher Square Enix as the game was not only April's best-selling game, but also set a new launch month record for the long-running series, beating out, surprisingly, uh, Final Fantasy 15's launch Good. numbers in 2016. And I don't mean surprisingly that it beat out Final Fantasy 15. What I mean by surprising is that Final Fantasy 15 did so well. And I liked the game, but that it did so well that it held the record for best launch month prior to this. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing about that game. 15, despite being kind of a critically split game between fans and even like actual journalists. I bought that game twice too. Is that that game sold massive regardless. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like, it uh, my show. name is Mayo. I wonder how, I mean, how many, that dude's a millionaire. 
That game costs a dollar. Probably, yeah. I wonder how many how many copies that sold. There's no way that it hasn't sold like a million copies for people who are stupid. Like, I want my first platinum. Or that I wasn't my first easy platinum, platinum, but that was an easy platinum. Yeah. Um, but either way here, I guess it is impressive to go ahead and say, I think that um, Sony even, and whether or not you agree that timed exclusives or whatever are you know, somewhat problematic, I think the thing here is that Final Fantasy VII Remake being exclusive clearly didn't hurt it. If it's no. outperformed 15, that was a multi-platform launch. Even though, with that said, well, I, I think 15 is uh, 15, and its numbers are the real reason that that seven was probably likely put up as a as a exclusive for PlayStation. If you keep looking and why it was reinforced, clearly Square has a good relationship with Sony. And while while 15 wasn't out yet. Uh, Final Fantasy Thir- I mean, Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts 3 were both shown at PlayStation's conference, obviously. Japanese games don't do nearly as well on Xbox. Well, it doesn't help that the, the user base for Xbox when 15 came out was still pretty low. Exactly. Then you look at the fact that Typo uh, uh, HD re-release. That trash, too, though. Yeah, so. but that game sold really pretty well, considering, was on that, PlayStation now, and really on. poorly on Xbox. Was that the crackdown of this generation where people only bought that game to get the demo or the beta for 15? I don't think so. It really was. It was, it was an old... By the time we got it, the it was game already wasn't like wasn't even liked on PSP though. No, it was, and I don't. It, it only came out in Japan. I still don't remember hearing good reception for that game at all. It you was you didn't hear reception. anything on the no, game. No, I did. <laughs> the game you, didn't. You, you you misrepresent my forum boarding uh, I back mean, for PSP days on Gamespot. I mean, I'm with you, Final Fantasy but I had a modded PSP at that point, and I was actually interested in playing the game because it was talked about so well. Uh, but people kept waiting for an English patch for because so, Square what, didn't what do this, it. Either games? way, don't get me wrong; it's, it's a it's a hit or miss game. But that game sold so well on PlayStation and so poorly on Xbox that I think it made sense for them to kind of look and go, you know what? Why would we not just go with seven on PlayStation? Clearly, the numbers were there; it performed well, and then later people will still get to experience it. You know, it's kind of a, it. It's not a true exclusive, which, if I'm being honest, is probably the best of both worlds. Sony gets their little you know, big deal with it. It becomes a big thing that's only on there. Square gets good numbers out of it. And then it still gets to release later for everyone else to play. You know, it's it, 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 time exclusives are kind of weird sometimes, but I think that they're probably the best, but like they're, they're the best third, excuse me, third party exclusive option. Cause wasn't it kind of gives everybody their ability. Wasn't this guy like a card game or something that oh, characters out of final fantasy 12. But wasn't you, this game like a card game? Are you talking about final fantasy, a 13? I hate you. Why? Because that's a stupid name. That's what the... I know, but I still hate you for calling it that. And I think that Typo actually did come... I think it came from a Gito 13. I think it became this. But that was back when Square wanted... It was a card game. That was back when Square wanted every one of their Final Fantasy games to be in the 13 Nova Crystallis universe. Ah. I just I <laughs> or chrysalis, whatever it was. Uh, anyway, Did next thing. Did this game take up, place in Ivalice? I don't remember. I don't think so. Because the, the the airships in this game look like Ivalice. One of the characters kind of looked like uh, Bash. That kind of looks like. I don't Ivalice. think it'd be Ivalice because Ivalice is not confirmed to have been in Thirteen's world. Screw you, Square. I'm just saying. I know, but screw you, Square. Um, so anyway, next thing up is the long-talked-about and bounced-around System Shock 3, uh, most recently in development at Other Side Entertainment since 2015, has announced that Tencent, 
The company that more recently has invested in Platinum Games will be assuming control of the game and taking the franchise forward from this point on. This is no surprise after the original publisher, Starbreeze, and developer Other Side parted ways due to financial issues at the publisher's end. Now, this is just one of those crazy things. System Shock 2 is like a 20-year-old game. This is that Half-Life 3, but not nearly as popular, where... I mean, don't be wrong. It's it's a big game. It's, it has a very niche audience. It, it does, but it's a, a very loyal niche audience. Do you do you? Okay, let me see if I can test some of your knowledge here. What game do people theorize is part of System Shock? Um, I mean, I know Bioshock was clearly inspired by it. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, they say, theorize it's the same. Well, at that base. point, Ken Levine, who made Bioshock, was part of the System Shock team. Yeah, but no, people think that like what was that Bioshock L- was Light Glass Studios. What was the name of the studio? Uh, that I don't know. But people theorize that Bioshock was the spiritual successor slash next world entry to the System Shock world. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I guarantee you, if you type in on Google, is Bioshock? It's killing me. Looking Glass Studios. Let's see. Is and by System Shock Two was co-developed. What did that say? By Irrational Games, which was Ken Levine's studio. Uh, is biohacking legal? What is biohacking? I don't know. More importantly, this is just a fun tidbit of information for anybody who doesn't know. System Shock Three has been around for so long in terms of wanting to be something that people have been talking about that back when EA Red Sh- Redwood Shores or whatever Visceral Games is what they went on to be called, but before Visceral Games came out with Dead Space and got rebranded to Visceral Games, uh, they were working uh, their first game that was going to be their own original game and not like a uh, licensed game was going or or a sports sport was going to be System Shock 3 and they stopped development on System Shock 3 when Resident Evil 4 came out and made them want to make a horror game. Gone Home, BioShock and System Shock all take place within the same universe? Gone Home, I I, got, I forgot about that. The guy who made it came from um Fulbright. Not not looking glass, but I think he came from Irrational. Interesting. Fulbright Company co-founder Steve Gaynor in a re- uh, recent episode Steve of Tone Gainer. Control. Yeah, Fulbright's the developer behind Gone Home. That's what it was. And I think he was from uh, from Irrational Games before I never that. played this game. I never played it either. It looks like, and I'm probably going to offend some people here, it looks like one of those crappy, and then I'm saying this this is probably is a good game, but this looks like one of those crappy Steam first-person horror games. Well, it's it's not really a horror game as much as it's, it's kind of one of those narrative walking simulators where you go through and solve a couple of puzzles, but a lot of it's just kind of... You can beat the game in like 12 minutes or some crap. Hmm. It's really... Sh- but you can also... When you know what to do. But if you don't know what to do, it takes some time. Either way, it's just interesting to see that still happening. This is kind of that thing where you keep hearing about the game. It's to do Nukem forever. If it ever comes out, it's hard to imagine that it'll be good. But this does bring up a bigger thing. I am starting to get really uneased by the fact that Tencent is getting their hand in almost oh, everything. Dude, they're becoming a monopoly. The thing I don't like about it is I feel like in any, in any industry, there should not be two or three pockets of people who own and run pretty much everything. But the problem with that is Tencent's even more than that because Tencent has shares in Activision. Yeah. I think they have shares in EA. It's like, dude, they have um, shares in pretty much every company, which they, means that their hand is kind of in. Aren't they kind of partnered with Bungie now too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So That's what you, I mean, dude. They're in everything. And something about that, part of the worry, I mean, part of it is I just think it's weird because that puts one people, like one group of people behind it. But 
I it, it worries me that we're going to see too much homogenization of games where everybody's trying to do something that fits within this window of what's considered acceptable. And this also gets into that thing, and this is just a cultural thing. Just because we as a culture are okay with something, but China is not, with them being a Chinese company, this is where you get into like the Blizzard situation uh-huh. where They're because someone for- said something in relation to China that was conceived as negative... Uh, Everybody faces ramifications for Blizzard it. Blizzard had to be like, oh, no, 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 we didn't mean it. Even though it didn't happen in our, like, it wasn't something in our country or whatever. Yes. It, so, like, it's one NBA of those things. NBA saw the same thing happen. Yeah. They criticized China about something, and apparently the NBA is, is doing really well in China. So that had a big effect. So my worry here is that you start to see, you know, in, in, in this case, it'd be games. You start to see games being censored from what people would otherwise want to make. And it's censored in a weird way, because at this point it would be kind of self-censored. Because it would be them censoring at the by not wanting to piss off one of their investors. Not only that, but you you got to think about it right now. There are people to this day that are still pissed off at Sony. Sony's censoring uh, policies. Yeah, that are still which in seem to have been pulled back, but they haven't announced it. Well, it does, and it you just don't seems know. Quiet. You don't know if right now is like did everybody just start self censoring themselves? Which is when when the self censoring comes from only because the thumb of another company won't let you do what you want to do versus self censoring because you just realize that you don't agree with what you were originally thinking about doing it gets weird that kind of stuff is is hard to know because it's always so behind the scenes that unless someone comes out or does a deep dive where you can see these things in action and have some decent amount of proof you'll just never know <laughs> but anyway that's I hope that Tencent kind of stops spreading as much as they are. There have been a handful of developers that have talked about it and how they don't like that that China's going to have their hand that is pretty heavy in everything because Tencent wants their games to be able to release in China as well. But as we know, Final Fantasy XV that we talked about earlier had to make a ton of story changes so that that game could release in China. Yeah. And instead of only changing the Chinese version, they just changed the worldwide version because it was simpler. Yeah, and it caused much like of a problem for people who don't live in China. Yeah. Or not even a problem, but they caused a weird kind of form of equality. Yeah. I guess at that point, a, a, a forced equality. Yeah. But either way, I just hope that that's not something that actually does come to bear. Uh, anyway, next up, Mafia Trilogy was revealed, including a remake of the first Mafia from the developer behind Mafia 3, as we knew from the stuff that we saw last week, as well as an HD remaster for Mafia 2 called the Definitive Edition, and lastly, an update bringing some improvements in content to Mafia 3 as part of its Definitive Edition moniker. Ooh. Each game is available separately or is available under the Mafia Trilogy that is available for purchase now at $60, though we're Mafia 1's remake does not come until August 28th. So you will already own Mafia 1's yeah, remake? Yeah, it's dumb the way they did it, in my opinion. PS5. Just a render? No, that's an MSI gaming computer. I'm about to say, what? It doesn't look bad, though. It don't. Uh, anyway. Especially this one. Look at the... Look at the uh, cool thing about this is that the previous owners of mafia three uh, including the ps plus owners from a couple of months back when it came on there get the definitive edition content for free as well as the just general update they put out that puts out like hdr support and some other stuff well it's crazy too is that like i think it was mafia 2 that i saw it in on the ps4 subreddit they were talking about there's still like bugs that are present in that game and present in this game badly in mafia 2 yeah mafia 2 is a really bad port from what everyone's saying and, and on a weird switch around it, it released so quietly that nobody knew anything. Have you seen the Saints Row 3 port? Yeah. Or Saints Row the 3rd remastered? 
almost There's all of it is new. Like they textures, they everything, everything. Yeah. They redid facial animations. Some and of the faces playing, look way better than Saints Row Four. You were playing Saints Row Four, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's just surprising to see two games. Weirdly enough, I'd say Mafia Two is a bigger game than Saints Row the Third uh, at the time of release. In comparison, I think it was that though because of the news surrounding it, not because of the player base. The Wait, game had that game had a lot of weird news around it. Didn't oh, it, it did, but I think Mafia, the first Mafia, was a big game. So when Mafia Two hit, people was were excited it? for it. Saints Row the Third was still a pretty niche game at that point overall. So it's, to me, it's weird that the remaster of the more niche title. I feel like looks I'm living in a, in a mirror universe with everything you just said. I feel like Saints Row was so much more known than Mafia was. I mean, well, Mafia Two came out way before Saints Row the Third. You got to think about that. Mafia Two was like a 2008 game. Yeah, but even then, in correlation to like Mafia versus Saints Row, which actually I guess at that point Saints Row, maybe it's not because Saints Row Three was 2011, so it was a year later. Maybe maybe I am wrong, but I know that definitely when I worked at GameStop throughout that time period, more people come in and and just give heaps of praise to Mafia, and that's why even though I've never played the game, I've heard so much good stuff about it from so many people, but I've never really seen or known that many people who played Saints Row. Though the people I do know who played it really loved it, starting with the third. Some people like Saints Row 2, but Saints Row 2 was still trying to be... I like Saints Row 2. Grand Theft Auto-ish yeah. in its own way. It also had a really cool soundtrack on it. Yeah. Or, well, hold on. I might be thinking of something different. I might be thinking that you could plug in a USB drive on your 360 and play their own... Yeah, they had a custom radio station. Well, you could do that on all 360 in general. PlayStation well, yeah, 3 was I, the one that you I mean, had this to was have like, the game built it in. This was like in the game, though, like where it was in the radio in the game. So Probably. that when you got out of your car, the music still wasn't playing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, but bringing that up, just as a weird thing of PlayStation 3 memories, uh, PlayStation 3, of course, didn't have the RAM for there to be a music player that was on the system level built in that you could play whatever you wanted over, but certain games would give you the ability to play whatever games you, or whatever music you wanted from the system or a flash drive. They should have just soldered a Sony MP3 player. One of the only games that I can really remember doing it was midnight club, Los Angeles on PlayStation three. You could just be in your car. You'd go and in the game, you'd pull up a thing and start playing whatever you wanted to go back to playing the game. I was never going to put like music on my console at all. I never did that either. Uh, and I never did, uh, I, I never was, even on 360 when I had one, I never liked listening to my own music on the system while playing a game. Well, I would because do, to me, I wouldn't be able to hear the game. And I'd be like, this is dumb. Why would anybody do I this? I would do that, but I cannot remember how you had to do that. Like, I can't remember, like, I didn't save the music. So like, I'm pretty sure I used a flash drive or I plugged in an MP3 you player. Could, you could pull it from a flash drive, I think. Uh, the thing for me, though, I think was at the time, I never played online games, really. But by the time I got around to the Xbox One, when it came out, you, were, you know I love the Snap feature. And as long as I was playing a multiplayer game like Call of Duty, I would always watch Netflix comedy specials snapped to the side alongside Call, I mean, Call of Duty. So I guess I get the point of it now is that at the time, I really didn't care for it. I didn't see the point of it. Well, did I... Could also, you plug in my iPod? I think I plugged in my iPod Shuffle to I don't my know Xbox about that. 360. I don't know about that. But more importantly, while we're talking about Midnight Club Los Angeles, that game had a banging-ass soundtrack. I love that game. It's so good. You could. All right, then. There you go. You learn something new every day. So that's what I did. All right, moving through the Prince of Persia domain that was bought, or thought rather, to be a smoking gun of the franchise's potential return has been found to be fake, despite appearing as though Ubisoft had set up uh, set the domain up with their DNS servers being featured. It was later shown that the registrant was GoDaddy, with the donate domain now available for sale, citing the social media and uh, 
and other media references in an effort to boost its sales price. So in the description, it says featured in 15,000, blah, 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 in such a short notice to try and get money out of it. So that's why anytime something ever becomes a domain or gets re-registered, I never, no, I just never take it. I take it all with a grain of salt. Oh, I I did too. I mean, you know, my hope was like, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on around Prince of Persia and the creators wanting to come back and even Ubisoft mentioning it. But you can't take something like this because I thought it was weird. Why would it be Prince of Persia 6.com? What a weird domain name. It's not impossible. I've seen some bad domain names from the actual companies. But it is good to know that for now, it was clearly someone trying to uh, get a little hype, but also cash in. It, it almost makes you worry from like a uh, wonder from a conspiracy theory standpoint if that if that leak from the game that you showed that was made by whoever if all of that Prince of Persia media kind of hit from the same person who was trying to set this this Ubisoft site up so that they could try and get themselves a domain worth that's, money that's a lot of planning because that video is eight years old yeah I know, but what I mean is like what if they're the ones who dug it back up. And we're like, we're going to hit this and some screenshots from this to do an article where we're talking about the fact that the creators want to come into it. And we're going to do a new domain. So that all that together makes a domain that's going to be worth more because people are going to be curious about it. It's kind of crazy, though, that like the Ubisoft didn't take the measurements in, in securing those domains anyways, like even for future stuff. like. But so specific. Prince of Persia 6.com. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure Apple has like Apple butt. I don't think, yeah, yeah, no. Some companies are really vigilant, but I'd say, you think about it this way. a porn website. What Prince of Persia that you can think of, what Prince of Persia game really had a number after it? None of them. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say not a single one. They all had surnames. So why would it be, yeah. It wasn't even called Prince of Persia 2 Warrior Within. Mm -hmm. It was just called Prince of Persia the Warrior Within. So when you think about the naming convention for the series, it doesn't really make sense that they'd come in with that anyway, but oh well. Uh, next up, and I did this for the few people who I noticed kept saying it, and then I looked at a couple of uh, forums and I noticed people asking the same question: Is is Ghost of Tsushima going to be a Souls like? Who who started this rumor? This has been something that people were worried about from the early on seeing it, and I, I guess maybe because Neo being in the feudal Japan things just makes people worry that seeing something similar with no HUD and no context that you may be seeing a similar thing, but. For those many people that worried that, uh, Sucker Punch has reiterated that while the combat is challenging, the game will include difficulty options to open it up for more players. So it's definitely not going to be a Souls-like in the sense that it does not have, uh, that it has a one difficulty mode that you just have to play and get better at or fail. It's It's, not like that. It's It's also something Sucker Punch has never really done before, so it'd be kind of weird for them to ride a train like that. They're not typically once to ride hype trains of other things they kind of do their own thing yeah like look at sunset overdrive like that's what's not sucker i mean not sunset overdrive second sun why did i say sunset overdrive i don't know look at second sun where that very much follows into the actual infamous uh world with the powers the gameplay the story might not be great but they didn't do something different with that they kept it very true yeah when they could have done something like they had cool mechanics and like the graffiti stuff that was new but yeah, yeah, but I mean, at the heart of the much, game. Yeah, it was very much the infamous game. But they they do pretty big changes every time they change a franchise. Because you know they had their three Sly Cooper games, then they had three infamous games, and presumably this will be something they work on for a while. I don't. They like to sit on something and try and perfect it, and if they either do or realize they couldn't perfect it, but at least it was a good effort, they move on while the series is not in a bad spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and I think that's a smart thing to do. It is. So, uh, we'll see. Either way, I'm. I mean, I think from what we showed last week, and we talked about that, that it it doesn't come off as one anyway. But in case you were worried about that, it while it could be a difficult game, difficulty options are going to make it to where you can probably play it at any real skill level. Yeah. Uh, next up, Summer Games Fest brings indie developer focused events on June 22nd and July 30th. Opening submissions for games before the events that will be curated by Day of the Devs and the Game Awards panel. I think May 28th, so we're coming up on it soon, is the cutoff date. But I like the idea that any indie can submit. And then a, a group of panels are going to be like, well, what games do we think are the best thing to show? Yeah, that's it's kind of in, yeah. it's kind of inclusive, I guess. Yeah, is, is, without having to, you don't already have to be established in the industry. Exactly, yeah. Your work can speak for itself. Now, at least on the idea of opening up submissions, you hope that that's true, but you could get to a panel that doesn't want to give much the light of the day unless you've already somehow existed in the thing. But I hope that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Either way, I'm glad that we're seeing that. Summer's game, Summer Games Fest continues to add more and more events, uh, despite the fact that we've already had part of a calendar. It keeps adding in new things. I like that this is just really being a months-long, constantly hitting you with stuff. It's almost like taking the idea of the excitement that E3 used to have of and being a solid week and making it be like, well, we're just going to have, instead of one week, we're going to have two to three months of just content where at least once a week you're learning something that's really cool. And we're and we're showcasing it through a big event. I will say though, E three did it so well because it was like that week was like Christmas. Like you it had was. you had Sunday for Microsoft, Monday for Sony, Tuesday for Nintendo, Wednesday for like Square, and then the rest of the week was kind of just like getting extra Ubisoft, information about everything. Yeah, you heard. it's kind of like all the smaller things that yeah. that people care about, but it was it was still like oh yeah, it's really interesting, and I am still curious as if we'll ever get E three back. I or if it so. won't survive this. I really hope so. If nothing else, I think the spirit of the time of year and having an event like Summer Games Fest here is doing, I, I, I the wish, spirit of having an event in the middle of the year is I wish they stay. would go ahead and do it like Game game Awards, like where they just do it all in like one time frame. Like they don't spread it out. Because I think next year's summer will probably be more explosive than this year's. This one's probably spread out because it's not people able to be in one location. Now, now yeah, that's also another thing. Yeah. But who knows? Because they can still do rapid fire, but would it really be that fun to just have it be 100% four hours of rapid fire, nothing but trailers? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> Either way, it is what it is. Uh now, this is kind of an interesting thing that happened this week that spurred up a lot of conversation. Uh, but a Gears of War 3 PS3 build popped up on YouTube this week. Full playthrough of the game uh, ran pretty rough because, of course, it was an unfinished PS3 build. Um, but it spurred a ton of questions and a ton of conversation with even Cliff Blazinski going so far as to oh, say God. that there was no way it was real. Just to, in the long run, be confirmed because Cliff Blazinski was already off the team by three anyway. Yeah. Um, and he had moved on to do his own things. But oh, oh, when you look at that, it's funny that Epic Games came through and have confirmed that it was real. Uh, it was never planned for release. And the build was a byproduct of Epic's internal Unreal Engine 3 testing process. Ooh, I could have myself there. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you laugh at so much? Clip Skinsky didn't do anything else after he left Epic Games. <laughs> you know, there was something I saw earlier in the week about him... I didn't read the whole thing, but him saying that it was a mistake to put Lawbreakers out only on PlayStation 4, <laughs> and that that's like... Was that game only out on PlayStation 4? I'm pretty sure, and I think his thing... <laughs> or was he saying that... Because no, that game was on PC. Well, you know, I meant from a console side. Oh, okay. And either way, I just like the idea of it's like, 
I didn't read the the article, so I, I don't know the context, but I know that Cliff in the past has been a little bit bad about trying to blame one thing on the failures. So instead oh. of just being like, oh, it wasn't, a, it, the game wasn't what it could have been, or maybe this happened or this, instead it's like, that's because we only put it on one console. It's because <laughs> it's only the Dark Souls shooters, man. It didn't have the player base of the future. Look, I don't even mind Cliff, and honestly, I think that there's potential situations where I'd be interested in talking to him because he has done a lot of really big things in the industry. But it's just that also it's it's weird because it kind of sounds like normal Cliff Blazinski. Yeah. So either way, it was just funny. But it was real. So if anybody's like, no, nah, there's no way it was real. Hey, it was real. What other happened? What is Withering Heights player base right now? Not Withering Heights. That's a book. Um, Radical Radical Heights? Heights. I don't even know if that game's still out. But who knows? Uh, next thing up, though, is the next Call of Duty may have leaked with a rumor claiming the next game will be titled Black Ops Cold War, having been backed up by Eurogamer, confirming with their own sources. The reports say that the game is led by Treyarch, despite this being Sledgehammer's turn in the rotation, which I think is really weird because Sledgehammer did not get folded in. There's no been no ad- update saying that Sledgehammer <laughs> is working on something else. What is it, Saul? What did you learn? Uh, there's only been one, one person playing 11 minutes ago. Four in the past 24 hours, and there was only a, there were 12,000 people playing at one time in a 24-hour peak. And so I'm, I'm looking at this map here, and I'm like, this is Steam Charts, by the way. And I'm like, oh, these spikes are pretty big. How many people is this? Three. <laughs> Four people. This is a Battle Royale game. I love the one person playing an hour ago. How are you playing by yourself? No, one person played 11 minutes ago. Oh, 11 minutes ago. I could have hopped on in this podcast and played with him. He's alone. <laughs> Just enjoying the world. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, hey, maybe that's a thing. Uh, either way. Tony Hawk. We need to make a Tony Hawk's Battle Royale. Hey, now. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. You have to keep doing tricks within the bubble that's constantly getting smaller. But as you keep going. Uh, your score has to get higher. Yeah, your score has to get higher and higher. And if you don't make the minimum score requirement, then you get gone until it's at the end and there's two people. Or you're not allowed to fall off your board. If you fall off your board, you're out. So you have to land every trick you make. This would be a cool battle royale where you'd have multiple modes. You'd have the mode that was like the points only mode, where even if you fail, it's just about keeping your points up. And it'd be like crazy combos. But then there'd be the one about trying to play it safe, but the bubble continuously moves in. Yeah. And instead of doing it in stages, like it's constantly squeezing in, and you have to just try and not land, like get off your board. Would you be mad if an escape game came out and it was only that, but it was skate? <laughs> I, I think I'd be mad at the use of the IP. I think that honestly, because Tony Hawk has always been way more um, arcade like, yeah. I think Tony Hawk's would be the the way smarter choice to do that with. I'm kind of interested in uh, the remaster for one and two because it's like here's online co op, but then they show a split screen, and I'm like, why? Split screen's also in there, but but why would they do that on an online co op thing? I don't know. I thought, Is that forced split screen for online co op? I don't think so. I hope not. We'll see. I guess. Yeah, we'll definitely find out. Uh, either way, I think that that's a really good idea. But that goes back to. There's so many interesting ideas for Battle Royales, and I'm not saying they should be made necessarily, but I'm surprised that you were talking about chasing a trend, right? Like, you know, you don't normally. Yeah. I'm surprised that we've. There's a lot of people that I think would be. Re, like, would want to chase a trend who haven't then there's ones where they're not typically one to chase a trend like i don't think playstation really chases trends very often they have their own thing that they know they're good at and they just stick with it and that's fine uh though it is getting a little too much third person action game lately but i mean it is what it is um I would really have loved to see PlayStation do the Twisted Metal Battle Royale. I think it makes a lot or of sense. Or SOCOM Battle no, Royale. Yeah, even that. But I think nobody's done car... Siphon Filter Battle Royale. Or have they? Has anybody done car combat Battle Royale yet? 
like car only combat. Yeah, like uh, like a twisted metal car combat. You know, isn't that kind of like what what World of Tanks are is like? Isn't that maybe I don't know. I mean, that, I wouldn't call that car combat though. That's really more traditional war. It just happens so. to be in a tank. Yeah, but the game always looked interesting. But I don't know if I I, could, I never played it. Yeah. But I I just think of the idea of like okay, twisted metal. Uh, the twisted metal PS3 version didn't do all that well. But if you took that engine that you already have built up and you took that game and the mechanics already built up and all you did was scale it up for for. 60, 100, however many people you wanted it to be to come in and do car combat. They're probably, I'd play You'd make I'd money back off of, of a that. game that you didn't... Like, I could see myself playing that for a good two weeks at, at minimum. Yeah. And if nothing else, you'd make money that you otherwise would have just they been They could even give on. a callback to Rocket League because, you know, Rocket League put some of their characters in where there's a Rocket League stadium in the map and you can actually <laughs> play a little round of, like, soccer ball. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Kind of a reverse callback. Like, oh, yeah, they featured us. Now we're going to feature them. Uh, yeah, man, there's so many good ideas, but I actually do think that skateboarding one's pretty interesting. If skating games get big again, like they're looking to this year with three skating games releasing, Session, uh, Skater XL, I think Session's releasing, and then Tony Hawk's. I think Session is supposed to be coming this that's year. That's going to be really weird. If they start getting big and suddenly it's like, bam, skateboarding battle royale, unless someone else has said it, I haven't heard it. Speaking of skating. You, you heard it here first. It was technically Saul's idea. I'll give him the credit. Speaking it's of a good skating, idea. everybody should watch the Tony Hawk Joe Rogan. Because it actually goes into that. Oh, excuse me. It had, had like ninety nine when when Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out. Yeah, it revamped the 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 um, skateboarding skateboarding. Games? Uh, well, no, not that. Just the skateboarding uh, fad. Yeah, and yeah. I'm curious now: is all these games coming out going to revamp skateboarding in a way? Because it's still there. It, I, it's not part of my life in any means anymore, but it's yeah. still very much alive. We went to uh, Bringle the other day to ride scooters and bikes with Kyrie scooters actually, and people were skateboarding there. It's crazy. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> But it is what it is. Uh, last thing up here, and we're going to round the episode off with this, is during a corporate strategy meeting this past Tuesday, Sony's Kenichiro Yoshida uh, talked about uh, the company's plans for PS5, mentioning the license. What am I doing here? Mentioning the increased speed sound improvements with 3D audio and the enhanced sensory perceptions from the DualShock 5, but went on to say, quote, Games for PS5 that deliver on this new game experience are being made by both first and third party developers and we plan to introduce a compelling lineup of titles soon. So it's the it's the the somewhat I don't mean it in a completely bad way, but it's kind of like the Sony's calling card of soon lately has just been the idea of we're going to show you stuff, we're not necessarily going to tell you when, but soon. Yeah. It's kind of getting annoying. A little bit. Just because I'm so ready to see stuff and they're being so coy about it. So there's a mixture of things going on here, though, and I think you'd agree, right? I think part of the problem is is by them not showing anything, it's letting rumors run rampant. So you start to hear rumors constantly. And then the problem is, is that whether the rumors are true or not, you start to well, that's the inadvertently part of it to me. Yeah, is you, that so many people are like, oh, Sony's buying Konami, and we get the <laughs> PT game made by Silent Hills, and then two weeks later, Xbox is buying Konami. No, yeah, and and and, and obviously none of that's happening. Um, and it's it's super annoying to see people, especially like either side of like the really hardcore fanboys, use that as evidence. I was like, y'all are all just idiots. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Sony getting Gears of War. <laughs> yeah. Going back to... Um, I still think there actually might be more to that Gears of War 3 thing than they're telling. Um, no, I think they're just testing stuff for Unreal Engine. And like I, I will said. say, it, what they've said is totally possible. But it also could totally just be the thing of where now, it's like... Gears of War 3 on PS4, I'd say it'd be plausible. But PS3? 
Well, yeah, Gears of War 3 didn't come out. Gears of War 3 came out in 2011. Yeah, no, but I'm saying that there's Gears of War 3 remastered. Yeah, but no, but this, this, yeah, but this coding was found in part of a leak, apparently, back whenever 2000, before, yeah. before the actual Gears of War 3 ever released. Right. That's what I'm saying, though, is that if, the, if for me to be convincing that this could be a thing of any kind, or not even convincing, but for me to be like, oh, this could be, for me to have that thought, it'd have to be on PS4. For me, PS3 is fine because if you remember, the reason that they even had, uh, the reason that they even, stopped making the series is because even after Gears of War 2 they were on note saying how much the money the games cost to make Absolutely. and how Bonkers. and how much return they didn't really get back from it besides the fact that they had that light exclusivity deal so I think what was happening is something we heard a lot of stuff about last generation but I think Microsoft would normally be like we understand we're going to excuse me we're going to give you this much more money to keep it exclusive uh, because if you remember Gears of War 3 was the last really well-received Gears game from Epic. Then they did Judgment. Judgment did not do well. They cost so much to make, it didn't really sell well either. And right after that is when Epic sold the series to uh, Microsoft. And what's crazy about this is, though, is that um, Gears, much like Halo, uh, much like Call of Duty, is that if they mess up multiplayer, a chunk of that player base just stops playing it. And goes that's, away. That's what judgment that's what happened to judgment was the multiplayer for that was apparently really bad. Yeah. And I think they realized that like they need to have that multiplayer fixed or present in a better state in the sequel for five or four, I guess four. technically. Yeah. Yeah. Um and they did. Like four went on to still have like high ranking tournaments and stuff that like thousands of people um came out to compete for and that's what's crazy is like here's a war is still one of like people talk about overwatch and 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 csgo and stuff like that oh competitive game yeah gears of war is still so high up there um when it comes to that kind of stuff and i don't even like this series but it's it's one of those that's like you look at halo and think like oh halo used to be so good people don't really think that way about gears of war because it's still kind of happening where halo kind of fell off yeah, definitely from a multiplayer standpoint. Well, that's that's the only that's the only yeah. thing I'm talking about is competitive multiplayer. Yeah, because four kind of changed the series so much, and despite me liking it, I understand why everyone else is kind of like, even if it was good, three four three was cowards because the bolt shot used to be a one hit kill in four when it launched. That was the the pistol that charged up like a shotgun. Blast, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they changed it so that it, so you had to do that and then hit them. And that weapon required technicality and skill to use, and they they made it so that you had to punch them. You're cowards, three four three. <laughs> well, don't, don't don't mind that. I I just downloaded actually yesterday because I might play some uh, Halo Two remastered uh, with yeah. Big Seth earlier or later on today or okay. tonight. But um, I just redownloaded that on PS PC. Okay, he yeah. plays all his games on PC nowadays. Yeah, that's, I mean that makes sense for him. But going back to that PlayStation thing, you're right. All these crazy rumors they hit, they get so much more room to breathe because nobody says anything. Sony normally doesn't respond to comments. Shoot them down. Like I would, I would. <laughs> Nor does Konami though. The problem with both of these things is that Konami doesn't that, care. The Konami rumor. Konami didn't shoot it down. Sony didn't shoot it down. They know that and then when it came over to Microsoft, Microsoft didn't shoot it down. I think it's that. All the companies are like, these are clearly so ridiculous rumors with no founding. If I ran PlayStation, it, the first time I saw that rumor, I would, from the official nope. checkmarked uh, PlayStation account, I would say, LOL, no. <laughs> I would just like, no, shut up. Now, the thing that's weird, though, is that like, you know, it, it comes down to some rumors, not all, some rumors have little tidbits of truth in them, whether on purpose or not, right? So I think when you look at that, there is the, there is that constant rumbling that's been going on for a while that does make sense that Sony is 
licensing out the Silent Hill thing to be able to release it exclusively on PlayStation and they're handling the development uh, and the cost of the game and all they're doing is licensing the IP out from Konami who otherwise is not using it, right? I think that there's a, a, a possibility that that is true. Now, that does not equate to Sony bought Konami. I, I think it's a possibility that it could happen. It's yeah, not I'm not a, saying that it it's is. It's not a possibility that, in my opinion, it's, it, like that's not even a conversation to have. But what would be a, not, a, not a possibility, but a, uh, I guess it's, it's possible versus plausible. It's plausible yeah. that it could happen. You don't Myth necessarily, right here. now, you don't think it's possible that it's happening. Yeah, I don't think it's, I, it's plausible, but I don't think that's in the talks. I don't think, it all, the only reason that this is a conversation now is because of that rumor. Which yeah. is why I hate those kind of rumors. Yeah. It's like, it, it to me, it feeds into people just trying to one up each other by making these absurd sounding rumors that that anybody above like fifteen years old will be like, uh, well, put some reasoning into this, and then you can kind of see the holes in the logic of this thinking. Yeah. Um. I. It's weird because I I don't think Sony's done bad at showing information. If I'm being honest, like I think it's clearly been slower than Microsoft, for better or worse. I don't really think it's crazily different i think it's just or crazily better or crazily worse i think it's just different so they're hard to directly compare i think that there's a lot more reasons for people to be able to go well xbox has shown so much more just because you happen to know more but you do and you don't depending on which angle you go from both of them we don't know much about first party games from and mo- both of them we really haven't seen the first party games actually running we've seen them running in engine which could mean that they were post that they were actually well, like pre-rendered we in saw game we saw gears of war footage Gameplay for Series, Series X? X, wasn't it? No, that wasn't Gears. That wasn't in uh, that Austin Evans video, or was that P- was that the Xbox One X? That was no, X- was it? Yeah, there's been no Gears of War talk for Series X. The two games that we've from first party have been Halo Infinite and Sinuous Sacrifice maybe, Two. Maybe it was Gears of War Five running on the Series X or Sinuous Saga, like whatever it is. It might have been. Uh, but my bigger point it was in some that, game I thought, is Gears of War running something special. I don't know. But in terms of that, what I mean is that we've not really seen much in the way of first-party gameplay from either of them. We've not really seen much in terms of third-party gameplay from either of them, if any, uh, across both. So they're not as differently as you'd think. It's just that something about knowing what the system looks like and for so long really changes the way that you feel about something because you you feel like you have something that go back and tap into, or at least I think that's why I can see people doing it, is it is weird to not see it. This crap right here. Look at this thumbnail. Massive spoiler for that game just up there. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Uh, but yeah, I think it goes back to by Sony taking so long, even if it's inadvertently their fault, they're creating room for rumors to spread and breed. And you start hearing this thing of like, Sony's going to show this and all these games on uh, March 3rd. Nope, didn't happen. Sony's going to show this and this thing on May 7th. Didn't happen. Yeah, it's all that crap. Sony, Sony's going to show the, the one that's circling right now. And it's not even the third one. This is really like the 10th one of, oh, Sony's going to have a big reveal on June 4th. Well, every time Sony says soon... And you have a million of rumors going around. People start using that soon as being like, ah, soon means that that June 4th thing is probably right. And it just creates a problem where when you hear the word soon, you've heard so much, whether it's official from Sony, you've heard so much noise about PS5 and games and being shown that it becomes exhaustive and you kind of just laugh at the idea of soon. Because it's like, according to all these crazy fans... Soon has been for this past six months. Yeah, <laughs> it's it I was mean, it was Gears of War five on the Series X running on the Series yes. X in backwards compatibility uh, mode. Yes, or as an actual like beefed up to be native. I now that I good you, question. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I didn't pay that much attention. Um. All right, so I got a good hot. I got a good uh, community's take for this episode. Okay, and 
you know, one thing I was thinking about is like, they don't have to be connected to anything we talked about. No, but they are. Is, that's cool. This yeah. is not. Uh, it's just something I thought about last night when I was uh, thinking about stuff to play, and I was like, boy, I got a spicy one. I want to hear for 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 episode one sixty five's community's take. Give me your spiciest gaming take of all oh. time. Your spiciest <laughs> hot take. For those that don't know what a hot take is, it's generally something you think will be disagreed upon. So it's a very unpopular opinion. What I love about hot takes is when someone throws out something that I like th- butter they- on my popcorn. <laughs> Shut up. Everybody likes butter on the popcorn. But I love the ones where you can see someone like legitimately bracing to be like, here we go. I know this is going to be a crap storm. Dark Souls 3 is a really good game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, people disagree with that? I can already see Josh Drago now. Everybody, I'm sorry to say it, but turkey spaghetti is the best form of spaghetti. <laughs> it has to be specifically related to gaming. Yes. Yes. A gaming hot take. <laughs> so give us give us your spiciest gaming hot take. And hey, if you like the video. <laughs> it's just going to be turkey spaghetti should be featured in more games. <laughs> Josh, you can come up with a more creative one than that one. Uh, but if you enjoyed the video and you watched it on YouTube, give us a dislike if you did, or a like, my bad. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, hit that dislike button. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, hit the like button. If you didn't enjoy it, the dislike button's there too. Um, let us know why, though, uh, for either reason. And uh, you can catch us every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, noon central time across YouTube and every podcast service you could think of. Uh, if you cannot find us on a podcast service, let us know. We'll get on there. And uh, two other things that you could do to really help us out is that if you listen to a podcast service that features us, that has reviews, leave us a review and give us some feedback on that, as well as tell your friends. I say it every episode, but you want to see some 30-year-old men children um, talking about video games. And you love it, and I'm not. We're not both not 30 years old yet, but we're almost there. Um, I'm almost. Don't there. lump me in with you. <laughs> You're two years younger than I am. That's it. Uh, but yeah. So, thank you everybody for tuning in. Give us your spicy communities take, and uh, rate us and share us accordingly, if you will. I'm gonna leave Brett for the live action reading recordings of our Patreon members. Thank live you all. Live action. Live action. <laughs> like they're normally animated. Yes, they are. Um, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank we'll you see you all. next week. <laughs> Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, and last but certainly not least, Mr. El Chabib. If you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming a patron. Thank you.